BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My parents would take my brother and myself out of school for a week, feigning sickness, and we would go to Disneyland and uh, all the theme parks in Southern California. And I remember looking forward to that every year, and it, it gave me a love for all things theme park and Disney and family. So That's so great. And it, it wasn't a regular vacation? They would, like, lie to your school? Well, I think we wouldn't do it the exact same week every year, or it's like probably three years is But you know, when you're when you're in the fourth or fifth grade, it's not the worst deal to get out of school for a week. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Push the Envelope. I'm the AV Club's editor-in-chief, Patrick Gomez, and today we welcome Tony winner and six-time Emmy winner, Neil Patrick Harris, who will answer our brand new set of 11 questions. But first, I'm joined by the AV Club's editorial coordinator, Gwen Einat, who is here to talk about something completely different, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Gwen, thanks so much for, for joining. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, so we'll get a little bit more into what 11 Questions is for any listeners that are unfamiliar. But basically, uh, this week stems from that interview that you had with him recently uh, that we will be playing later. Um, you couldn't resist asking him about something that was award show related, and it seemed like the perfect opportunity to talk about it on Push the Envelope. Tell us tell us exactly what it is that you were just uh, couldn't help but ask, even though it wasn't technically part of your 11 Questions interview. Well, and in full disclosure, I wasn't even thinking about Push the Envelope until afterward. But, you know, huge fan of Neil Patrick Harris. I uh, loved him on How I Met Your Mother. I even told him in the interview that like Lemony Snicket was my all-time favorite group watch with my kids. We both have boy-girl twins. Like we just had all this stuff. But my favorite, favorite Neil Patrick Harris moment, and I don't think it'll ever be topped, is when he hosted the 2013 Tonys, uh, did a number called We're Going Bigger. And it's just the most amazing, you know, it's like eight minutes maybe total of just like over the top music stage live extravaganza all steered by him he does costume changes he does magic tricks at one point he jumps through a hoop and it's huge you know there's tons of performers but he's steering the whole thing and it's just the most impressive performance i've ever seen in my life i watch it you know every you know like tom holland with the um rihanna umbrella like every time it sh shows up on youtube you just watch it like i have to watch the neil patrick harris or now people i've done this with my friends like we're having those zoom parties where everyone's like here's my favorite video like this is my go-to video to show people because everybody's jaw is like usually on the floor they're like when he jumps through the hoop for pippin that's when you know he's like all in and he's going to take you to the end of the entertainment you know extreme and back so I, so I did. I just snuck it into the end. Like, by the way, like, uh, you know, it was like eight years ago. But what was that like? Like, and do people ask you that all the time? And it was interesting because he said it wasn't the hardest thing he's ever done. Maybe that was Hedwood, you know, dancing in eight inch heels. But it's uh, just that it was like the most 
what did he say? Like exhilarating and just everything that, that had to work perfectly to have that perfect moment of entertainment. And if anybody is listening to this, you haven't seen it, I caution you to watch it as quickly as possible. And Patrick, he yes. said it's a favorite of yours as well. Yes, it, it totally is a favorite of mine. In fact, similarly, I always am showing people it on YouTube whenever the opportunity arises. Um, there is a bar in Palm Springs, California that does show tunes nights and everyone goes and sings along just like they play videos. And, you know, in, in the COVID era, we all miss going to that, uh, you know, having long weekends uh, out of Los Angeles and going to that. And I put together like a whole video playlist on YouTube and a bunch of my friends and I all watched it, you know, via Zoom in the early days of the pandemic. And that was among one of the favorites there because it really is. It's so, so, so impressive. And, you know, Gwen and I are going to break it down a little bit and talk about some of our favorite moments and the stories behind it. But to what Gwen was just saying, let's actually take a, a quick listen to what Neil Patrick Harris had to say about making this insane, almost eight minute long number come to life. Was that like the hardest thing you've ever done? That is like, I, I just keep watching it because it's so astounding. It wasn't, thank you, it wasn't the hardest, it was certainly the most exhilarating, and I will say that I, I'm not sure how it all happened, because there were so many things that could have easily gone wrong, uh, magic tricks that didn't work in the dress rehearsal, hoops that were going to be, probably be a terrible mess if I, if I didn't lift my leg high enough, uh, quick changes that could have gone wrong, mm. there was a lot of... Uh, there was a lot at stake. But it's the ponies and it's Broadway and people do that kind of nonsense, or at least used to, uh, eight times a week. So Gwen, knowing that he said what we just heard and knowing we were going to talk about this on Push the Envelope, I went and found an oral history that Entertainment Weekly did with Neil Patrick Harris and two of the executive producers in 2013 about this number. And I mean, it is true. It was down to the wire in terms of making sure everything was technically going to come off. Apparently, they only were able to rehearse it in full the day of the telecast and only did it like one or two times. And the only time it ever went perfectly was the live performance, which is impressive for many reasons that we're about to get into. But Again, Gwen gave a good overview uh, before, but just to to run it down, this was the opening number of the 2013 Tony Awards. It was written in part by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who, of course, we all know from uh, Hamilton, but this was in between In the Heights and Hamilton. Uh, he wrote it with Tom Kittening, who is probably most known for Next to Normal, but they actually worked on Bring It On, the musical, together, which is kind of how they came as a team to uh, work on this at the Tonys. It was choreographed by Rob Ashford. And it's it's just, it's so impressive. Um, you know, the video, if you watch it on YouTube, which we are going to put on avclub.com, so you can go there and find it as well. Uh, it, it is seven minutes of just nonstop performing and then a full minute of applause that doesn't really stop as much as Neil Patrick Harris kind of just like calms the crowd down. It's like, I have to start going again. And that minute of applause is just so... Um, well-deserved. It starts off with, with Neil Patrick Harris doing a kind of nod to Once, which was uh, the big show the, the previous year. Um, he stands up and he he starts to do this little bit of like an Irish ditty 
about the fact that the the Tony Awards were were moving from a, a smaller theater into the Radio City Music Hall, which is where it had been for a long time. It had moved to a smaller theater for a couple of years. And so that was kind of the nugget of the idea that Neil Patrick Harris had as like the way in on like just like what the number would be this year. I can break your heart with a work of art. And a song that's quiet and small But we're back where we began it all Radio City Music Hall And he had a lot of visions of where it could go from there. So it grows from this number that's inspired by Once, which is very singer-songwrity, into uh, a much more traditional Broadway number um, in which he talks about how just everything on Broadway gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and and uh, we've got nods to Kinky Boots and Motown and Pippin and Bring It On. Uh, Mike Tyson makes an appearance. We've got the young kids from Matilda and Annie and Christmas Story. These are all shows that were currently on, um, but we were even going to get more. Like, like they were just like wanting to go, as the song says, bigger and bigger and bigger. Gwen, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but at one point, Neil Patrick Harris was going to get the mayor of New York to be on a trapeze swing. There was going to be a wicked element to it. They were going to get, they had an Elphaba line, um, but unfortunately they couldn't get the wicked people involved. Uh, the rehearsal schedule for this uh, was apparently insane, where they were teaching the little dance moments to the, to the separate groups of people that were in different parts in like you know, they'd have time to teach them for like 12 minutes and then they'd run it twice, once or twice, and then they were out the door. And then everyone just came on show day and knew how to do it. But that's Broadway for you. Um, they they really went through a lot of back and forth about almost including the naked guy uh, who plays guitar in Times Square in his underwear. Uh, or even as to quote uh, Neil Patrick Harris, the weird not Elmo Elmo. Um, they just really wanted for it to be just this enormous performance to me, the most impressive part is the stamina that it must have taken to get through this. Uh, Gwen, I think, you know, we, we've spoken about this previous to, to sitting down here to record, um, just how impressive it is that he just keeps going. And he doesn't even sound out of breath. I mean, he's running, you know, when he does the magic trick, so somehow he gets from stage to all the way to the back of the theater, bringing in all the newsies, and he's singing the whole time. And then he comes up on the stage. He wants his Tom Hooper close up. Oh yeah, because he gets a little snarky. He gets a little snarky uh, a few times. But uh, he, he, here's this moment that he that he um, takes a dig at the the recent release of Les Mis. Check this out. Can I have my uh, Tom Hooper Les Mis close up, please? See. On Broadway, we don't need extreme close-ups to prove we're singing live. <laughs> we sing live eight shows a week. Check it. You know, and so he goes from running, asking for that close-up, probably catches his breath for a minute, and then goes into like this almost like rap of like just unfurling syllable after syllable. And, you know, that I know they always do that thing, like talking to the kid at home who's watching, and you could be up here on that stage someday. Um, you know, it's funny because since this show, you know, and you, you, you and I, we, we watch all the awards shows, right? And you've seen other people like James Corden, I think, tried to do this for the Tonys like a couple years later. It was like, and again, reaching out to that kid at home. But 
I don't know. This one, 2013, like nobody really reaches out and grabs that kid like Neil Patrick Harris running his ass off and pulling all of Broadway onto stage for you at the same time. And then, yeah, climbing up the the Tony Award and hanging there and... Um, Spinning it. That was so impressive. Talk about an impressive set piece. And that's like the only time he gets to like, you know, have a breathe and he's still like just hanging onto it. But yeah, the uh, the standing O is really, really fun to watch. And it's fun to see the people in the audience. Like, there's a shot of Deborah Messing at one point. It's just <laughs> like her jaws on the floor. Like she's just watching all the Cinderella's run by her. Like it's just everybody in the theater must have just been besides themselves. And um, is it, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor, uh, the guy who played Mr. Spock, Zachary Quinto, has to come mm-hmm. out and do the first award. And he's like, definition of bad act to follow you know like who could follow that I felt that yeah i mean it's true and and to your point on on the kind of rap section which you know it's so many times that we that we're like oh and then there was a rap section and most of the time that's like a groan and he, there's just something because he doesn't try to rap it it really is just like a patter song moment um it's very clear um that it's that the lin manuel miranda influence is is a part of that moment if you didn't know that he was a participant in the creation of this song you certainly would know in this section but i have to agree even rewatching it to, to discuss it today it kind of got me and i was only half paying attention to it because i've seen it hundreds of times and it does it just like the the passion with which he kind of speaks to that kid at home is 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 something that like it, i'm not ashamed to say like it, it gets me almost every time that i see it the day we are gathered together to honor the best and the brightest and tomorrow the fashion police will report on your dress and who or at the tightest. If you win, have the time of your life. Tell your manager, dad, and your mom, thanks. Hi to your kids and your husband or wife, maybe just for the hell of it, Tom Hanks. Nothing is bigger and better than seeing a veteran get an ovation or seeing a brilliant beginner freak out on a win on their first nomination. There's a kid in the middle of nowhere who's sitting there living for Tony performances, singing and flipping along with the Pippins and Wickets and Kinkies, Matildas and Mormonses. So we might reassure that kid and do something to spur that kid because I promise you all of us up here tonight, we were that kid and now we're Oh, Oh, yeah. And I think it's because it's balanced with, you know, we've mentioned the dig at Les Mis. Uh, There's a a dig at Alec Baldwin. He kind of gets a little saucy uh, about Barry Gordy. Uh, You know, it's not so much of a dig, but uh, he's listing off all the big nominees this year and, and, you know, takes a dig at at him. That's off to Barry Gordy. He runs Motown like a boss. He dominates top 40 and he banged Diana Ross. It ends with a, a joke about Kathy Lee Gifford. You know, I think it's because it's balanced with those uh, kind of snarky and really like funny moments um, that it, it, it takes you by surprise that he kind of gets sentimental there for a second. But uh, this was the the fourth and hopefully not final, but fourth time um, that that Harris hosted the Tonys. He did it in 2009, 2011, 2012. And then this year in 2013, he won an Emmy every single time he did it. Of course, he also hosted the Primetime Emmy Awards in 2009 and 2013. So he did double duty both those years um, with Tony and Emmys. And he's hosted the Oscars in 2015, which was also a great show. But uh, fun fact, um, Dame Angela Lansbury is the only person to have hosted the Tony Awards more than Neil Patrick Harris. She has done it five times. So NPH has to get one more time under his belt to tie and then another to like take the crown. And I think if anyone is worthy of returning to that stage, it most certainly is him. Yeah, just talking to him in the pandemic, you know, like, so everybody's been locked down, not doing much. And he's like, yeah, and I just saw him in this trailer 
for this new HBO Max show that's debuting this month called It's a Sin. That's a British series. And he's like, yeah, I've now finished Matrix 4. It's coming out in December. And he did a movie with Nicolas Cage. And I was actually looking through his stuff and realizing that like he's one of the only people who's actually worked on two major motion pictures in the pandemic year. So it's really not surprising to me at all that he could host two major awards shows in a year. He's just, you know, the hardest working man in show business thing gets thrown around a lot, but it might actually be him. Like he just seems to run on sheer adrenaline and a twin's dad, which as a twin parent, I myself, I can only imagine. I mean, and on top of that, you know, the, one of the reasons he's, he's, talking to press right now is because he's got this partnership with PayPal and Venmo and CVS. Yeah, it was really fun to talk to him about that. It, the video is really funny. It's just Neil Patrick Harris trapped in CVS uh, overnight, uh, but talking about like all the new things that we're doing that, you know, may actually transfer past the pandemic, right? Like using your app on your phone to pay for things. And I mentioned that like, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm wearing a mask, like I might do it next winter because I haven't had a cold in a year. And just here's, Here's what underlines the difference between me and Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris is like, yeah, I love wearing a mask because when I go to the store, nobody knows who I am. I'm like, yeah, that must, <laughs> that must be really great for you. <laughs> on top of everything he's got going on, he found time to answer our 11 questions, which if you are a listener of Push the Envelope, you are familiar with our AV Club franchise. It has run for years on the site and we brought it to the podcast every so often. And uh, the the premise is basically that we ask, uh, the way we put it is we ask uh, interesting people 11 interesting questions, the same set of questions for the full year, but it is all new this year with a brand new set of questions. Uh, Gwen, why don't you tell us a little bit how that aspect of the interview went? That was really fun because we have this whole new batch of questions. We ask our readers to submit questions that they'd like to see in 11 questions. And then we go through, you know, also with our staff for suggestions. And um, our assistant editor, Alex McLevy, was kind of the curator of all of them. And it turned out really well this year. So it was fun. Like, it's kind of a big deal to be kicking off the new 11 questions. Like, Neil Patrick Harris is such a great person to be the first one. And he was really fun about it. All of his answers were amazing. So I'm also glad that people were able to hear the audio because his description of putting together the table saw for his new woodworking hobby is hilarious. Well, let's take a listen to that conversation. Hey, Gwen. Hey, Neil, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. It's such a thrill to talk to you. Um, we have this series called 11 Questions where you get these questions we curate them from our readers and so excited you are kicking off our 2021 round nobody has answered these questions yet at all so i'm super excited oh and, boy and that's the same question same question to everyone yeah for the whole year and so but okay okay oh boy yeah oh no boy. pressure no one can compare themselves <laughs> i can't compare myself to anybody let's go okay yeah um what is the best trip or outing you remember as a kid and what made it great hmm. My parents would take my brother and myself out of school for a week, feigning sickness, and we would go to Disneyland and uh, Knott's Berry Farm and uh, all the theme parks in Southern California. And I remember looking forward to that every year, and it, it gave me a love for all things theme park and Disney and family. So hmm. I remember and loved that a lot. That's so great. And you, it wasn't a regular vacation? They would, like, lie to your school? Well, I think we wouldn't do it the exact same week every year, or it's, like, probably <laughs> three years ago. 
But, you know, when you're, when you're in the fourth or fifth grade, it's not the, the worst deal to get out of school for a week. So I'm not quite sure what their excuses were every year, but it was nice because we didn't have to go during the summer months where it was uh, crazy crowded. And so we were able to, um, to go on the, on the off times. Mm. I just, I just love it over there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what's something considered a basic part of your current career that you struggled to learn? Wow. Probably, um, probably that rejection is consistent and has almost nothing to do with your own self-worth. The entertainment industry is by design asking lots of people to apply for a singular job. And so you're, you're rejected uniformly. And to be honest, when you fail in life, this is what I'm learning as a parent, mm-hmm. at least trying to teach my kids. When you fail in life, you learn. We should, we should work towards failure so that we can improve from it. Because if you don't do things wrong, you have no gauge of, of, the how, of how to make them improved. Nice. Um, is it, was, that must, but you were a child actor. That must have been a hard lesson to learn as a kid. Well, for sure. As a kid, you're, you're wanting to be approved for everything, for, right. your, for your prowess, for your looks, for your status, for all of it. So, yes, acting and waiting in hallways with, with like-minded kids holding 15 pages of dialogue, hoping that, you're the, that you won the golden ticket. It came with its own, uh, its own for sure. Mm. Um, did you pick up any new skills, hobbies, or got into something you hadn't before quarantine? Oh, I'm very into woodworking. <laughs> I started washing. Okay, I never, I never went into. I didn't take shop class when I was in school. Mm. I was more of a home ec guy, and. And now I'm watching all these woodworking tutorials and following all these woodworking people on Instagram. Oh. And I want to start building my own things. Like there's something beautiful about taking something that was born from the ground and using your actual hands to, um, to turn it into something that is reusable in, in, in a new form. So I'm, I bought a table saw. I put that together. I'm turning my uh, our garage here into a proper woodworking workshop. Uh, wow. I'm getting very into it. <laughs> Nick Offerman is is uh, is my hero at the moment. Um, yeah. What's your, what was your first project? Like woodworking project. Um, my first project has been putting together the table saw, which <laughs> took three days. <laughs> Um, and I think every single thing I could do wrong, I did. I would mm-hmm. screw it all together, uh, the one part, and then I would forget to read that it said, don't screw them tight. So then I'd try to screw the second part in, it wouldn't fit, and then I'd be frustrated and go back and read, oh, of course, we're supposed to not screw them all the way in tight. So I'd unscrew, it was just a disaster. And it's a table saw, so I was even more terrified that I would right. incorrectly <laughs> turn the thing on, a blade would go flying into the body. Exactly. <laughs> but I took my time, I'm learning patience, and... um and there's a great uh, there's a great guy named Steve Ramsey who does a, a online tutorial called uh, Woodworking for Mere Mortals. And I've joined up his, his weekend warrior his weekend woodworking warrior class. But it got really cold now, 
Mm. So I might have to wait for the beginning of spring. Yeah. I look out the window and it's pouring snow. So I'm not quite sure how much I want to yeah. make a, a, a shop table. Yeah, there, there are limits. Um, wait a month. What restaurant do you not live near but make a point to hit every time you're in the right town? Oh, well, that's easy for me. I, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. and the Mexican food there is spectacular. Hash, New Mexico, is, it's famous for their green chilies. Mm. If, uh, if you can track down hash green chilies, buy them uh, every every season, freak them, and, and eat them often. There's a restaurant that's right near the university called Frontier Restaurant. It's open 24 hours. It's a bit of a diner, and they have the a frontier burrito. Hmm. It's ground beef, green chili, cheese, smothered with a, a fresh homemade flour tortilla, and it is heaven. It's probably it's what would be my final meal. I think oh, if, sounds if amazing. I, um, if I had to choose one, yes. and I, I I can't not eat there every time I go to Albuquerque, which has not been frequently this year. Yeah. Um. What futuristic technology that doesn't exist would you like to have? Oh, I really want, uh, what's his name, um, from Tesla, Tesla guy, Elon Musk. I really oh. want Elon Musk to make to make those tubes, those underground tubes, oh, yeah. just from New York to L.A. in <laughs> in thirty minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Oh. I can go to, I can go from from New York City to London in twenty minutes, like I'm a deposit at a bank. <laughs> in one of those pneumatic tubes just get shot from location to location I really anxious for that to happen that sounds like great fun oh, yeah, it sounds claustrophobic but would be handy for sure um, what famous person that you've met has lived up to or exceeded your impression of them we've become friends friends with Marissa Hargitay and I was a fan of her work and had heard she was the nicest person mm-hmm. and and now we're close family friends, and she is the funniest, nicest, most generous individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say enough about her and her husband Peter. Their kids are divine, and we just we become fast friends. And so, I, anytime anyone can engage with Marissa and Peter, I, I highly recommend it. How did you meet? Were you on SVU or something, or your paths just crossed? No, I wasn't. We we have kids that are similar in age, and we met, I think, in Puerto Rico at an event for um, that Jose Andres was doing, mm-hmm. and their family was there, and our family was there, and our kids were all playing together, and their kids are so well-behaved and lovely, and, and Harper, our daughter, has become very tight with Amaya, their daughter, and when you get to, you know, nine, ten-year-old kids that enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of a pandemic, mm-hmm. you become fast friends very quickly. Yeah. And so we are all part of the same bubble now. And I don't know, I think just are, they're the loveliest. They work, she works so hard, Peter works so hard, and they still manage to maintain such great family relations with each other and to, and to do it with such wisdom and humor and grace. I, I think the world of it. Nice. Oh, what's the worst job you've ever had? Uh, I worked in Ruidoso, New Mexico, at a sandwich shop where I have to clean the the viscous kind of 
outer layer of dough off of canned meat before it was sliced for for making sandwiches. Wow. That was gnarly. That is a terrible job. Oh, good one. I'm sorry, what was the name of the place? I appreciate fresh turkey. (laughs) The town has been a weirdo, so R-U-I-D-O-S. Awesome. Okay. What fictional family would you like to belong to? Oh, good question. Good question. Okay. First, I would think Swiss family, Robinson, because I could live in a tree. Mm. But I realized that might be kind of limiting. So I'm going to go Adam's family. Ooh, interesting. Because they, they, uh, they loved puns, and they lived in a kind of haunted house and, and embraced mad diversity. Yeah, true. Yeah. Awesome. Um, What's the first piece of art or the earliest piece of media that like inspired you to go into your field? Do you remember? Um, honestly, I was probably, I'd probably go way back and say flip books steered me towards like George Millier and the idea that you could take still images and put them together, you know, George Miller was an illusionist, so I was I was drawn to him by magic, mm-hmm. but also then turned into a filmmaker. And I I really remember being young and making my own flip book image, you know, flip book images, wow. and then seeing that that can be turned into film images or, or or photo images. I guess is just one step away from film. And that really made me feel that that making film was achievable as opposed to just something that you watched from mm. a screen from afar. Mm. How old were you? Do you remember? <sighs> making books, probably seven or eight. Wow. Um, who is the funniest person you know personally? Would that I knew Ben Schwartz personally. I would like to say him, but alas, I don't. So I will say my husband, David Michael Birdka. Mm. He is so he is so hilarious. He does funny voices, and he has a, he has just a dark sense of humor, and uh, and consistently makes me laugh and laugh. Nice. That's that's a recipe for a nice long happy marriage. He doesn't get to show off his funny very much. So hopefully that he's starting to act again in earnest. So hopefully he'll be able to show his comedy shop soon. He was always great on How I Met Your Mother. Agreed. <laughs> um, this this is a question that this probably um, has already happened. If a deli named a sandwich after you, what would be on it? But I have to believe that somewhere on Broadway, there's a Neil Patrick Harris club sandwich or something. Is there? If there is, I must have one to serve my ego alone, just to, to, to feed my ego. But I don't know. I, I would probably say, that's a good shot. Now, see, you're asking me this, and I have me at lunch, so this is a great question. I would say it would be um, roasted chicken, like a rotisserie chicken that's been peeled apart mm-hmm. with fresh grated cheddar cheese, um, fresh hash green chili on an English muffin, toasted English muffin with mayo and um, nacho cheese Doritos in the middle. Wow. Just give it an extra crunch. That that would be unusual. Call it the meal Patrick Harris. Thank you. 
Uh, he's just, he's such a fun interview and, and so glad we got to share that with everyone, Gwen. Thanks for, thanks for doing that and, and thanks for sharing it. And thanks for being here for this episode of Push the Envelope. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me. I could talk about that video all day, every day. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. <laughs> I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it offline. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Push the Envelope. Please remember to rate and comment as well as subscribe. The powers of be at uh, Apple and Spotify and elsewhere really do value those rates and comments uh, even more than the subscribe button. So please, please, please take the time. Tell your friends about us. We are going to continue to be here every Thursday to give you Tons more award show content, and we are heading into the thick of it, you all. After a a long uh, wait due to COVID delays, um, we are going to be getting Golden Globe nominations soon, followed by the Oscar shortlist. Uh, we've, of course, got the delayed Grammys and SAG Awards coming up, uh, and then we'll head right into Oscars. So it's all about to come down the pipeline, and things are about to get ramped up here at Push the Envelope. But that's going to do it for today. Until next week, bye. This episode of the AV Club's Push the Envelope was brought to you by producer Michaela Heck and sound engineer Ryan Allen.